Father, I just thank you for the word that you have placed in Ray's heart. I pray, Father God, that your word is truth, and they where truth is, darkness has to flee. Let your light enter in, Father God, and that you speak your words. Holy Spirit, you are the one that changes and transforms us. And so I just pray that you would bless this time together in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. So just what, I watched that video last night for the first time, and it reminded me, uh, Ethan stayed at home the other day, for, uh, he was sick, so I was trying to get him to nap and we're lying in the bed, it's the first time I've had, I'm not good at the one-on-one time thing, if I'm very honest, but we're lying in the bed, and he says, Dad, out of nowhere, he's supposed to be sleeping, he's like, Dad, what was the worst day of your life? I'm like, jeepers, that's deep for five years old. <laughs> so I was just like, you know what, actually it was the day my grand died. And so I showed him the last video that I have of her eating lemon um, at one of the restaurants in South Africa. And I was crying. And he looks at me, he's like, my worst day was when I busted my knee open. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Mostly I was surprised because he wasn't affected by the glued eye incident. But the fact that he scraped his knee open on his bicycle was the worst day of his life. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I was challenged. Like, hey, that one-on-one time that they talk about there is really important. And so we will be doing the course as well. Um, and I encourage you, if you are a parent and you would just like to know more, there is also – fantastic. Good. <laughs> um, there is also a teenager's course that we'll also run at some point as well. So we want to encompass the whole spectrum of parenting and what that looks like. Um, as a parent, you know what the hardest thing I've come to realize lately is monitoring screen time on iPads and phones and TVs. Cheap as it's tough. <laughs> um, but, I mean, because one thing is, sorry, I'm just completely side note here. One thing is you want them to be involved in technology because we're advancing into a digital techno- technologically driven world. But then you also have to find a balance between that and then auto teach them to scrape their knees open and fall off jungle gyms and get dirty and play outside. So finding that balance can be quite tricky, especially when your oldest kid is a digital geek. And so (laughs) just trying to find that balance. Sorry, completely for free. Um, I'm Ray. If you're here for the first time, it's great to have you. My wife and I, we are heading up the church here, and we work with Yandre Meralda and Dan and Nicole. They are currently traveling this weekend for a conference in Rasulchema. In UAE. Um, before I start, I just quickly want to address um, last week's message from Dave and Kathy on tithes and offerings. Um, we've had a lot of positive feedback. We've had some feedback that proves to us that it was a challenging word for some of us. And so I want to encourage you with this is that when we get those kinds of words that just really challenge us and stir us, is to not allow the enemy to steal from you in that moment and make you feel guilty or feel like you've got to be under some sort of law or legalism, but to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you because that message was about obedience and freedom and abundant life in Christ through our finances. And so I want to encourage you, is to, it's good to wrestle with what is preached on a Friday morning. It's good to go and read the scriptures, to study, to pray, to seek God. And my encouragement to you is if you get to the point where you still aren't settled with it is to come speak to one of us and we are here to help you we are here to walk with you we are not here to tell you what to do we are here to walk this journey out with you and so I want to encourage you with that is that if you've prayed through it if you've read the scriptures or you just need someone to talk to to ask questions we are available please come and talk to us and if you need a 
contact numbers, we can give that to you. If you want our email addresses, we can give that to you. Um, but we are here to walk this journey with you. Um, none of us are perfect in what we are doing. And so this is a journey together that we are walking. Um, just on that, just a testimony from my side is I grew up in a single parent home for most of my life. And my mom was with three children trying to feed us and maintain a life and was working a full-time job, obviously. And I remember there were, my mom was very open about her tithing journey with us. And she would often just talk to us and be like, hey, listen, guys, in South Africa, we use the rand. She'd be like, I've got 200 rand. We've got two weeks left. 200 rand is, what, 8 BD, roughly, um, for, for the week. And we're just like, well, that's what we have. And oftentimes, I remember stories of people just arriving at a house with groceries who didn't know what was going on. Um, my mom would go to the shop, and she'd just feel the Holy Spirit say to her, pack your shopping cart, this is covered. And someone would walk up to her and pay for the groceries. Or one story that still blows my mind is she was in the shop, someone came up to her that didn't know her, walked with her through the shop, packed two trolleys full of groceries, and then paid for it and gave her money to bless her. And so I want to encourage you, there, there is this thing. My mom didn't have enough, but she was faithful in giving to God what was his. And we never went hungry. Um, if you're South African, we ate samp and beans. I don't know what the equivalent is for the rest of the world. Um, it's like beans and some, uh, what is it? Samp and beans. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a staple dish in South Africa. But that's what we would eat for the week if that's what it is. But we never went hungry. And God is always faithful. We witness food multiplying in front of us as people dishing up. It's just It never ends. And so there is this element of that God knows what you need. Seek him, be obedient, and he will provide. He promises that in his word. And we looked at that last year for a few weeks from Matthew 6.33. Seek him and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Okay. That's on last week. We will look at it a bit more. If you've got questions, please come and chat to us. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> We've got a testimony. Joshua. Fantastic. This is Joshua and his wife, Rachel, over there. And he's got a cool story to tell us. <laughs> he's very nervous. <laughs> so good morning, everybody. Uh, good. Hi, my name is Joshua. Uh, I'm from Malaysia. So uh, I'd just like to share with you a testimony that, uh, that just happened like t- two days ago. All right, so uh, I did not prepare it too much because uh, Ray just surprised me just now. So I, I'll do my best. Uh, I hope, uh, yeah, uh, in the end, all glory goes to God. So, uh, so, I, so long story short, I lost uh, my passport uh, on the 12th of December, uh, the week of 12th December. Uh, it, it was stolen together with my credit cards. Uh, then I've made a police report on the 16th of December. It was really inconvenient because this was the peak period that I needed to travel for work. So then on the, uh, as, as that weekend, 16, 17, it was Bahrain uh, National Day. So I only managed to get my police report on the 21st of December. Uh, then, so all our plans for Christmas to go to Dubai and to travel were all cancelled. <laughs> Uh, so then, uh, then after, when when I go to the embassy, when I submitted my uh, report and my application for the passport, 
they, then I asked them, how long will this take? Then they told me, roughly about three to four months. So I was like, whoa. Then they said, yeah, there's another route that you can, uh, I mean, take, which is you fly your back and stuff like that. But I, uh, I, I wouldn't have the liberty to do so because I'm, uh, I'll be busy at work, right? And and it will also cause a bomb. So yeah. So then, uh, long story short, we celebrated Christmas here, New Year here. And uh, we continue to praise him in the hallway, even while we wait until he opens the door. So simultaneously, we have been asking all of you guys to pray for us, so that the passport process to be expedited, uh, because my boss has been on my butt. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he's been like, why why does this process taking so long? Yeah, and stuff like that. So then, uh, yeah, and guess what? Two days ago, on the 25th of January, the Malaysian embassy called me and he said, my passport is ready for collection. So, praise the Lord. Uh, thank you for his supernatural acceleration. So, what was supposed to be done in three to four months, he has done it in five weeks. Thank you, Lord, so much. Praise the Lord. Uh, in the end, he, uh, he is the Lord of acceleration. Uh, even, okay, I, I just leave you all with this last one <laughs> as I type a whole essay. So, uh, even when we don't see it or feel it, He is working, our God, our way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Awesome. That's a cool story. But we got to spend Christmas with them, so that was good. <laughs> right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 12. If you haven't been with us, you'll see these random question marks all over the show. You would have seen some gifts wrapped up in the front. So what we've been doing so far this year is we've been doing a series called Unwrapped. Basically, a journey of discovering spiritual gifts, and we'll go into the Holy Spirit as well over the next two weeks. And so just unwrapping what does this look like, how does it work, and how do we then discover what it is and how do we use it in the church? Okay. So we spent some time looking at the gifts. Um, we've looked at the motivational gifts, which are found in Romans 12. And these are our God-given gifts that we have been given by God as part of who we are. So these gifts often form part of our personalities. We are, they're inherent to us. Every person is born with the motiv- one or some of the motivational gifts. And I won't get into too much detail today. And so whether someone is a believer or not, they will operate in one or few of these gifts. Um, But what we looked at is that when we walk with the Holy Spirit and we use these gifts by his leading, these gifts are the way that intended to be used. They become powerful tools to edify the body of Christ and to glorify God as we show love for one another. So a lot of the motivational tools that we use are there to serve the body when led by the Holy Spirit, but then also those gifts can be used in the workplace and wherever we go. And they're used to build the body of Christ and to glorify God. Then two weeks ago, we looked at the ministry gifts or the fivefold ministry. These are five five gifts that have been given to the church by Christ. And we can find this in Ephesians 4. And so the fivefold gifts serve the church to equip them for the work of ministry. And so they teach us and lead us to grow and mature in Christ so that when we go into the world, we are equipped and trained and built up to go and do what God has called us to do as set out in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And so when we do, uh, so, 
so that when we do our work, the body grows, it becomes healthy, and is full of love. The fivefold ministry is a bridge between the motivational gifts that serve the church and the manifestation gifts that reveal the heart of God to the church and the glory of God to the world. These gifts are important because each one of these fivefold gifts, the apostle, pastor, evangelist, prophet, and teacher, they all reveal the person of Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate prophet. He was the ultimate apostle. He was the ultimate evangelist, the ultimate pastor, and the ultimate teacher. And so one person by themselves is not able to carry those five messages in one go. Um, and so what we saw is that God has, Christ has given these gifts to the church to work together as team, which represents the uh, plurality of leaders, to build the church and to edify the body so that they can be equipped to go do the ministry of the saints. Okay. And so with that, we realized that we are all called to do the ministry of God. We have all been equipped, we've all been trained, and we're all called to go out. And I've said this a few times, and I'll say it again, and I even got quoted this week, I was pretty excited, is that you are not sent to, you, you, you do not go to work, you are sent to work. So we often think, oh, we have to go to work to do this. No, you've been sent by God into the mission field to minister the gospel to those around you. And so that is what the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to do, is to equip us for that time. And so today we're going to be looking at the manifestation gifts. And if I talk too fast, I'm really sorry, <laughs> but I've got quite a bit to get through. I'm going to try to get through it all today. And then over the next two weeks, once we've looked at these gifts, we all realize that these gifts are through the unctioning and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to take a turn and we're going to look at who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. So why did he come? How did he come? What does he do? Why, why do we have the Holy Spirit? And so I think it's very important that we don't just look at the gifts, but we look to the gift giver as well. And so we'll do that over the next two weeks. And I've charged Johandre and Daniel to do that job. <laughs> All right. And so the reason we have these manifestation gifts is that they reveal the Holy Spirit's power around us. These gifts allow us to experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in a supernatural way. And that leads us to our reading in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read from two different versions. The first one is the NASB, and then I'll read from the message as well. I'm going to read from verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, distinguishing of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. And then from the message it says, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere. But they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God Himself is behind it. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it, everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit, and to all kinds of people, the variety is wonderful wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation. Distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. 
All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out, by the, handed out one by one by the Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. Let's pray. So, Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us guidance and leading through this. And so, Father, I pray that as we look into this thing of the manifestation gifts, would you bring revelation? Would you bring understanding? Would you bring clarity, Father? I pray, Lord, that the seed that is sown would bear much fruit and it would change and affect our lives in the greatest way, that you would get honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the thing about the manifestation gifts is they are a bridge between the physical and the spiritual, a bridge between the natural and the supernatural. They are the literal appearance of the Holy Spirit, an outworking of his power to reveal the heart of God to the church and the glory of God to the world. And so hopefully today, as we go through this and we look at the different gifts, we will see, firstly, what the gifts are, how they're used, when they're used, and why they are important to be used today. Um, So what are the gifts? There are nine of them. So there are five ministry gifts, there are seven motivational gifts, and there are nine manifestation gifts. And the first one is words of wisdom or wise counsel. The second is words of knowledge or clear understanding. Then we have faith, gifts of healing, working working of miracles, prophecy or proclamation, discerning of spirits or distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. If you're taking notes, those nine gifts can be subdivided into three different categories. We've got the revelation gifts, we've got the utterance or the vocal gifts, and then there are the power gifts. So these Revelation gifts are the ones that reveal something of the heart of God towards the church. So there's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The utterance gifts or the vocal gifts, and these gifts are a vocal revelation of God. So prophecy, speaking of tongues, and the interpretation of those. And then we have the power gifts, and these gifts reveal the power of God to the church and to those around us, faith, healings, and miracles. Um, Oftentimes, very few times will a gift work in isolation. Mostly they will work together. So um, one of the stories I read is that normally with the gift of healings, will generally work with a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge as well. Um, sometimes prophecy will also work with gifts of faith, and etc. And so generally when the Holy Spirit moves in the congregation setting, there will be two or three people that are stirred in the same way, and God, those gifts will then be used to edify and to build the body. I think one of the important things for us to remember is that these are not spiritual fruit. These are spiritual gifts. And so these are not linked to our spiritual maturity. And I think that can be quite difficult for someone who's been in the church for a while and some newbie walks in just giving their life to Jesus and they give a word of prophecy. Like, that's not fair. I've been here for 20 years and I've never had. But it says the gifts are given to everyone as he wills and when he wants to. And so it's very important to remember that these are not linked to spiritual maturity. Because someone gives an amazing prophetic word does not mean that they are incredibly spiritually strong. And that's where these gifts, it's important that they work together in the church. Paul then goes on to say that there's an order of service. And when a prophetic word comes, it needs to be tested. And so every gift, when it is used, needs to be measured and tested up against with two or three witnesses. And so there is a way to use these gifts in a way that doesn't cause destruction and chaos. 
Um, these gifts can be abused. We see in Matthew seven twenty-two to 23, it says, um, but Lord, I cast out demons in your name. I prophesied in your name. I did these things in your name. And he says, I did not know you. And so these gifts can be abused and used in the church in a negative way. Thinking we are doing it well, but if we don't have the relationship with God, and we'll look at this a bit later, we are doing it in our own strength. And these gifts, this is the later, these gifts have to operate in love. At the end of Corinthians, and we'll look at this bit later, it says, but I've got a much better way for you, and he goes into the love chapter of Corinthians 13. All right, and so there is a process that happens. Obviously, it's not linked to spiritual maturity, but you can also grow in the gifting as you grow in your relationship with the Father. As you learn to listen, as you learn to heal, as you learn to surrender to the Holy Spirit, you can grow in these gifts as well. You see, the role of the Holy Spirit is to inspire and to anoint. Our role is to heal and to surrender and to be obedient. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he'll never override our free will. And this is very important for us to remember, is that he's not going to force you to do anything. But as you're healed and you surrender to him, he'll flow much easily through you. Um, these gifts are given by grace and operate through faith. They are not given for the person who acts as the channel, but they are given for the people and the benefit of others. And so... In a moment where I might have a word of prophecy, that gift is not for me, but it is to benefit those around. I'm literally the host pipe bringing the water to the garden. This is what my role is. But as someone else gets a gift of prophecy, I benefit and I'm encouraged by that. And so there's this mutual thing that happens as we all operate in these gifts. <clears throat> these gifts are released as God wills when he wants to, and they're tools for ministry gifts. Um, and then right at the end of Corinthians 12, it says, but desire the best gifts. And this, I've, I've, I'll be honest, I've wrestled with this portion of Scripture for a while. It says, well, how do you decide which is the best of these nine? Paul often says, earnestly desire prophecy. And say, well, is prophecy the best gift? But one thing I've come to realize as I've read more and more stories and looked into this is that the best gift is the gift that is needed for that moment. And so if you're in a moment where someone is in a situation where they don't know what to do, my desire in that moment is, Lord, can you give me a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge for this person? Because that's what they need. If I come there and say, I'm going to heal you now, that's not, going to, that's not what they need in that situation. It's going to come completely left field. Be like, but my toe's fine. Um, so it's desiring the gift that is needed in that moment. If someone is down and out, Lord, can you give me a word of prophecy to encourage and to build and to edify this person? The purpose of these gifts varies with the gift, but they are there to build up the church, to encourage the church, to bring comfort, sometimes warning, sometimes confirmation of different words. They minister to our needs, the demonstration of the reality of God to unbelievers, they reveal facts or situations not necessarily known to people, and they show power to deal with various spirits. And so these gifts are important in the church today, especially as we're going into more chaotic times in society, that we operate in these gifts and we know how to and when to. <clears throat> so let's dive in. First thing I'm going to look at is the word of knowledge. This is a supernatural revelation of things that are not previously known to the one receiving the word. The Holy Spirit brings this knowledge to mind of the believer in that moment of need. 
And so this gift of knowledge is sometimes just a word or sometimes just a small revelation of something that God has given to reveal something to someone else. See, God knows everything, but if God told us everything all the time, we would literally be puppets on a string. And so he'll give us a small revelation of, okay, in this situation, this is what you need, this is what I want to do, or this is what God is doing in this situation. So there's a revelation which helps to bring hope, but also draws us into him to seek him to find out more. This uh, word of knowledge is often given in conjunction with other gifts, such as healing, um, you would have seen this if you follow any churches that work and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Someone will come up and say, well, I just felt in my heart that there's someone who's struggling with this issue or someone that has cancer. And so there's this word of knowledge that someone here, it's a revelation of something that God wants to bring healing to or deliverance from. A word of knowledge is not a natural knowledge. It's not a profound knowledge of the Bible. It is not a knowledge of God through close communion with him is a revelation of God wanting to do something in, that, in the midst of the people. This can be done through various forms and ways. Some people see visions. Some people see, have dreams. Some people receive a message. Um, sometimes through the gift of prophecy or directly from God as an individual. I've seen this, um, especially with Lynette, um, sometimes like her shoulder will just ache uncontrollably. And she'd be like, I feel like there's someone, and she's like, that's not my pain. And so in that moment, she'd be like, hey, is there someone who's struggling with shoulder pain? And through that, there is healing that will normally happen. And so there are various ways that this works itself out. Um, just a few examples from the Bible. I'm not going to read them, but if you're taking notes, it's Revelation 1, 10 to 20, John on the Isle of Patmos. Um, in Acts 9, verse 10 to 11, Ananias talking to Paul. Um, in Acts 10, verse 9 to 19, we see the story of Peter in Joppa. Um, we see in John 4, 18, Jesus at the well with the woman. He has a word of knowledge about her life. Um, in Acts 5, verse 1 to 4, we see, and we heard the scripture last week, the story about Ananias and Sapphira. And so how do we know how the gift of word of knowledge operates? Um, most likely you'll receive a message through the Holy Spirit. Um, and that will come to mind, or we'll see a picture, and we'll know that what we need to say to initiate what God wants to do. Um, sometimes you'll get one word, and I've seen this a few times, people get one word, and as they speak, God just starts to reveal more. And so God leads them in this as they heal to the Holy Spirit. Um, and like I said, sometimes there'll be someone walking with suddenly their knees sore or their neck sore, and God reveals a way that he wants to heal people. And so those are words of those. So words of knowledge is a revelation of something of the heart of God where he wants to bring healing or deliverance or breakthrough. Then we get words of wisdom. So words of wisdom is a supernatural flash of inspiration that enables us to speak the right word in a difficult situation with an ability beyond our own natural wisdom. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where someone comes to you with a problem or a situation where they just don't know what to do and you actually have no idea what to say or how to help. And in that moment, you say, God, what is it? And suddenly you say something, you're like, well, where did that come from? <laughs> and so oftentimes that's happened to a few people. I know it happened to me as well. But it's just there's this thing of just this outworking of the Holy Spirit saying, you know, in this moment, this is far beyond what you might understand or know or have any knowledge about but the Holy Spirit will just bring a bit of wisdom in to help that person. 
And so this usually works with, in conjunction with the word of knowledge and will often give supernatural guidance and direction in a tough situation. Most times it is very specific, very accurate, and related to the present need. And so just a few examples if you want to read up some more. Uh, 1 Kings 3, 23 to 28, the story about the two mothers fighting over the baby. There's just this word of wisdom in how to deal with that situation. We see it with Jesus in Matthew 2, verse 17 to 21. We see it with Paul and the apostles in Acts 16, verse 6 to 9. And so how do we know when this gift is operating? This operates in a similar way as the word of knowledge would normally do. Sometimes a picture, sometimes a word, sometimes it's just something that speaks into your spirit and you know what to say. God is faithful to show us the part that is needed to help that individual in that very particular situation. And God gives us the revelation of the ways of God in very specific situations. I know um, just before we got married, I was in a really bad car accident and I'd written off my car literally two weeks before we were supposed to get married. And I was just like, in that moment, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to phone. I didn't know what to say. It was just, I was in a bit of shock. And my housemate had just happened to be driving past at the moment and he got out. And he just looked at me. He's like, this is what you need to do. And he just gave me this list point by point, exactly what needed to happen. And afterwards, I spoke to him. And he was just like, you know, what? I actually had no cooking clue what to do in that situation. But he's just like, he couldn't even remember what he had said to me. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit just came and gave us exactly point by point what needed to happen. Um, and so, yeah, there's this moments where it just happens. You, do, you don't necessarily have to spend time praying, okay, Holy Spirit, will you move? Sometimes he just comes. And, that, and that's the beauty of this. How this works in the church is that sometimes we'll come together in a leaders meeting. Like we'll get to a point where we don't actually know what the next step is. But then there'll be this word of wisdom. Be like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is where we're going. And that often can work in conjunction with prophecy as well. The next one is the discerning of spirits. And this gift is a gift from the Holy Spirit that gives us supernatural insight into the spirit world. To see what spirit is behind a person, a teaching, or a situation. To discern means to perceive by seeing or hearing. And so the discerning of spirits is the same as seeing or hearing in the realm of the spirit. And so sometimes this can be misused. This can be mistreated. Um, A lot of people who come from a background of the occult or new age or anything else like that will sometimes seemingly be more gifted in this area. But that's where the discernment of leadership needs to come in because sometimes that can also just be a familiarity with different spirits from different areas. And so, and so this sounds very much up in the air because it's something we can't see, we can't fathom, we've heard about it. But this is a very real realm that we do operate with. So this gift has more of a limited range of operation because it is limited to a single class of objects, the spirit realm. It reveals a kind of spirit that is in operation behind a supernatural manifestation. It is important to remember that this is not a spiritual mind reading. and We're not there to discern the faults in other people. It is not just the discerning of evil spirits, but also of good and human spirits. And I think this is very important. Sometimes we get an uncomfortable feeling around a person that is more to do with our own prejudices than about anything spiritual. And sometimes it might just be a trigger that happens from our past or so just learning to discern what the difference is and then to pray into those different areas. And so this is very important that we don't just say, like, that's a bad person. This person did the wrong thing. But to be like, 
Holy Spirit, what is it that you are trying to highlight to me in this moment? And so it's not there to point out faults, it's not to cause blame, but it's there to cause us to pray and ask God what to do in that moment. Um, A lot of intercessors are quite normally strong in discerning of spirits. As they pray, as they seek God, the Holy Spirit will reveal different things to them. Um, So you might watch a video on YouTube, and it's a amazing message, but the Holy Spirit will just stir something. You'll be like, actually, what they said isn't biblically true, or it's borderline going into new age Christianity or something like that. And so we've got to be sensitive to hearing and seeing the Holy Spirit speak to us in those moments. (coughs) And the reason for this is that God wants to see us set free. And so through the discerning of spirits, we see, hey, listen, I want to see you in freedom. I want to see whoever's struggling in that moment to be set free. Um, A good example of this is in Acts 16, verse 16 to 18. And this is a gift when Paul is working in this operation. This gift is needed in the church more than ever today. I think if we read in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, where it talks about what's going to happen in the end times with false doctrines, with wolves in sheep's clothing, with people preaching their own gospels, trying to lead people their own way, we need to be more spiritually discerning in knowing where God is leading us and what people are bringing to us. We need to expose these things and cast them out of the word of authority in Jesus' name. And so this gift is given to the church so that we might know what God is leading us into, but also to warn others that if there is anything coming into the church, especially as we move into the chaos that we're going into in the world, is that actually what this person is saying isn't right. What this person is preaching is borderline stepping away from what the gospel preaches. And so we need to be very... And this, the beauty of this is that we all have access to these gifts. It's not just for one person. This is for all of us. But then they work together to build and encourage the church. The next one is the gift of prophecy. We like this one. <laughs> and so the gift of prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue. It is the speaking on or behalf of God by direct inspiration by His Spirit. And so... The Hebrew word for prophecy is to flow forth, to bubble forth like a fountain, to let drop, to lift up, to tumble forth, and to spring forth. The Greek word, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, (laughs) is to speak on behalf of another. We are told to desire prophecy. Paul says it quite a few times throughout his his letters that we desire the gift of prophecy. Um, For those who do prophesy, not all those who prophesy are prophets. And I think this is something that we spoke about two weeks ago, is that there's the office of the prophet, and that person normally is there to give vision, direction, warning, um, rebuke when it's needed to those in leadership and to the church. But we can all operate in the gift of prophecy as the Holy Spirit rests in us and gives us words to the church. Through the gift of, of prophecy, the church is edified, it is built up, and it is encouraged. And it's very important. Prophecy can be spoken, it can be sung, it can be written, it can come in the form of a dream or a vision. Um, It is highly commended by Paul as it is understandable and and immediately builds up and comforts those that are listening. So oftentimes when there's a prophetic word that's given, there's an immediate reaction or response of encouragement, of hope, and of faith. Um, All prophecies, and this is... Um, 
The caution of it, all prophecies must be judged by the witness that is felt by the body of believers. I think, and this is something that we do at Rivers, is if you have a prophetic word for someone, is to either give it corporately or with one or two other people because a lot of damage can be done by misguided prophetic words. And a lot of people, and I'm sure there's plenty of stories here of people that have been hurt by prophetic words that have been given to them out of a good place but just with a wrong delivery. I think that's the best way to put it. And so a few examples of prophecy is Paul at Philip's house in Acts 21, Paul and Barnabas who have been set apart in Acts 13, Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and 2 Timothy 1. I think very important to remember is that we need to be very careful about, being, about giving personal prophecies. Um, the church I grew up in, they said, hatches, matches, and dispatches are off limits. <laughs> so don't prophesy the birth of a baby. Don't prophesy that someone is your wife or your husband. And don't prophesy that someone's going to die. <laughs> because those things, while sometimes we want to, like someone that is struggling to have children, be like, oh, you're going to have a child this year. That might just be you as a human wanting to give them hope, but it might not be what God has for that person. And so just be very careful. When it comes to hatches, matches, and dispatches, those are not the things that we do. I know when I was a teenager, we had quite a big youth group, and oftentimes you'd hear these stories of this guy would go up to girls, like, God told me you're my wife. And she'd be like, oh, he didn't tell me. But, I mean, who am I to wrestle with the voice of God if he spoke to you? And so then they would date. And then after a few weeks, you'd be like, you know what, actually, God told me you're not my wife. And then they would break up. And there's this continuous story. And so there's this thing of where it can be misused and abused and people can be hurt. But when it's used through the correct inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it brings life. It brings hope. It builds up faith. It encourages us. And it builds up the body of Christ. And so we need to... Allow ourselves to be tested. I want to encourage you that if you do have a prophetic word for someone, don't be scared of getting it wrong and someone telling you. It's not a personal attack, but use it as a moment to grow and develop your prophetic voice. I think the best and safest way to do that is, one, take someone with you. Two, allow the person to give you feedback. On the other side, if you receive a prophetic word, don't take it as the word. Test it. Pray about it. Does it confirm the things in your own heart? Does it confirm the things that God has been speaking to you? And is it scriptural? Is it something that God has been leading you into? Sometimes prophetic words do come completely left field. I know when I was a kid, I got a prophetic word about my future that made no sense to me. And, but for some reason, it, it made sense. Something just sat right with me. And so when you receive a prophetic word, you've got the Holy Spirit. And so you say, Holy Spirit, is this for me or is this something I need to test out? And you will know immediately if it's not the right thing for you. But then in that, in love, give feedback to the person who delivers the message so that they can grow and they can develop in this gift. Then we've got the gift of diverse tongues or various tongues or speaking in tongues. So speaking in diverse kinds of tongues is a public supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue. First example we have of this is in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit fell on the upper room, and they were speaking in various kinds of tongues that they didn't understand, they didn't know how to speak, but everyone around them could understand. And so, it is languages that have never been learned by the speaker, nor understood by the speaker, nor understood by the hearer. 
It has nothing to do with linguistic ability, with the mind or the intellect of man. There are two types of tongues. We get the private tongues for personal edification and devotion, and public tongues that must be interpreted. And so when we talk about interpretation, that's the next one. This is something that needs to happen so that the church might be edified. It is the only gift that works, that relies on another gift to be able to work. All right. Um, I'm sorry, I lost my notes here. I think we've got to distinguish it's not about speaking in the spiritual heavenly tongues. It's about speaking in other languages that is spoken about here. And so this is something that I must be honest, I haven't seen too often in my life. Um, I've heard stories of people who have gone to Far East Asian countries like China or Japan where God just in a moment, someone just utters something that makes no sense to them, but people around them understand it as speaking the local language. And so there is this demonstration of power that then leads people to repentance and to knowing the Father. Um, But when it's done in a corporate setting, that is when the interpretation is needed. And Paul is very, very uh, upfront about that. (coughs) Which leads us to the next, the gift of interpretation of tongues. The interpretation of tongues is a supernatural speaking forth in an understandable language of that which has been said in an unknown language. And so I grew up in a church where this happened quite often, where someone would come in and just start praying in heavenly tongues. And everyone just stands there like, that's fun. (laughs) It's really cool, a little bit awkward. But they were so, the leadership of the church were just like, you know, something has been brought forth. Now we need an interpretation of that. Most times they didn't even have to say that. Most times someone would just come up straight away and be like, actually, and they would just pray something or deliver the message that the other person had been given in a heavenly tongue. And so this gift depends on the outworking of the gift of tongues. Um, The purpose of this gift is to bring an understanding to what was delivered so that everyone might be edified. Um, The tongues might be short, but the interpretation might be long. Or the tongues might be long and the interpretation really short. Um, to give a clear understanding of what God is saying. Oftentimes this interpretation comes across as prophecy, but I've also been experiences with, where it's been a personal prayer or just uh, words of knowledge even as well, where God has just delivered a message um, where there's been this working out of the interpretation as well. And um, this is something that I'll be honest, we don't see very much in the church every day uh, anymore. And so I would love to see it. It's quite cool when it does happen. But it's very important for us to remember that there is an order that Paul talks about when the spiritual gifts are used. And so it's not a case of everyone just does what they want. We have 25 people prophesying, 16 people bringing tongues, three people interpreting these things. Paul says when you come together, if there's a prophetic word, let it be tested by two or three witnesses. And so I want to encourage you, we want to see this more at Rivers. We want to see more prophetic words given, words of knowledge. But, and so some people were like, well, how do I do that? Well, what we'd have is we always have the leaders in the front. So if you, during worship or during the service or after the service you feel like you've got a prophetic word or something you need to share, come to one of us. We will listen to it and we will we'll say, Holy Spirit, is this what you want to do now? Or is it something that we need to hold on for another time? And so we want to encourage this. So if you sit there and you've got this burning desire to bring a word there is space for that. Okay, and so you'll come forward, we'll pray with you, hear what you have to say, and then we'll 
see when the Holy Spirit allows us to release that. Okay, that is not to be the gatekeepers of the prophetic words, but to make sure that it's delivered in a way that is timely, orderly, and that's going to bring edification to the body of Christ. <clears throat> the next one is the gift of faith. And the gift of faith is a gift of the Spirit to the believer in order that he might receive and believe God for mighty miracles and the works of God. This is a supernatural faith above the faith that we already have. You get some people that naturally just be like, you know, it's going to be okay because I've got faith in God. This is like, you know, I've got an extra gift of faith that this person will be healed in this moment. And so it's just this thing where the Holy Spirit rests in them and stirs up this gift of faith. This is a supernatural gift. The Amplified Bible puts it this way. This is a wonder-working faith. So it's a faith that causes signs and miracles. Oftentimes, this is used in conjunction with with the healing gifts and sometimes also the prophetic. Um, People who operate in the special gift can believe God in such a way that it honors God and God honors their word. Um, I know Bill Johnson talks about this when he prays for people with cancer that there's just a supernatural faith that is stirred up in him. And you hear his story because his wife passed away from cancer, just how that stirred him to have more faith to see this thing of cancer be healed in people around him. And so there's a supernatural faith that has been built up in him and it is released through the Holy Spirit when he prays and declares healing over people with cancer. Some people have faith when they're praying for those who are tormented by demons, that they are able to stand in authority knowing that they have this gift of faith to del- that God will deliver this person from, 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 this, from the, de- the can't speak, demonic. <laughs> okay, this gift of faith is more of a process and is manifested by the Holy Spirit to enable a person to receive a miracle beyond the capacity of ordinary faith. This could be for healing, miraculous provision, and so forth. Um, just talking about miraculous provision, a lot of my stories have to do with food. I don't know why, but it's just happened that way. But one of the things that my wife and I have seen is that, and this one story, we had a Thanksgiving dinner at our house shortly after our youngest kid was born, and we cooked food. I mean, we had like chickens and roast meats and potatoes, like all the good things. And when we were about to pray, I looked around, and I realized there's definitely not enough food. Like, I think there were about 25 people there, and I was looking at the food, and I was like, there's no way that we're going to feed everyone. And so we, in that moment, we prayed, like, Lord, multiply the food. And I'm not lying to you. I mean, I had one beef fillet, like that, that big, for all these people. There was more than half of it that went and got put away afterwards that I ate the next day. There were, we had four chickens. Somehow we had three left. There were potatoes. There were, like, the food just miraculously multiplied. And so I was encouraged by that. In that moment, I was like, Lord, there's not enough Let's have faith, and God did that. And we've seen that countless times over and over. Um, it's really fun when that happens with food, I won't lie. <laughs> if you go to Nicholas's house, I'm sure Nicholas has the gift of faith when it comes to food because it never ends. <laughs> and you'll go home with six lunch, lunch boxes full of food as well. <laughs> and so some people just naturally stronger in this. And that's exciting because this gift is needed in the church. It is needed to bring about healings and deliverances in people around us. And I know when we hear these stories that it stirs something in us as well. And so that's really exciting. The next one, and this often works for the gift of faith, is the gift of working in miracles. A miracle can be defined as a supernatural intervention by God in an ordinary course of nature. They come through the power of the Spirit over material creation 
in ways other than healing. So raising the dead is an example. Raising the dead is a miracle because it changes the order of nature into growing, or by the person coming to life, or someone growing a limb, or the woman with the issue of blood getting healed. We hear these stories, and we hear these stories, and we read them over and over because Jesus walked in the working of miracles over and over, and we see story after story about this. But the encouragement I have for you is that Jesus said, you will see these and much more. And so the encouragement is that this is still for us today. And your story about the passports, it's not a small thing. God worked a miracle for you. I mean, and so often you're like, oh, it's such a silly story. Or so. No, every one of these is powerful because it displays the power of God over natural course of things. Various examples, read the Gospels, you'll find many stories about miracles happening. Um, the gift of working in miracles can also be called the working of acts of power. The Greek word for miracles is duminous, which is translated into terms such as acts of power, explosions, or mightiness, impelling, staggering wonders, and astonishments. And so works of wonders, or sorry, the works of miracles are there to make us and leave us in wonder of the Father. And the last one, gifts of healing. Gifts of healing are manifested for the supernatural healing of sickness and disease without any natural source or means. And I think this is the one we've probably heard the most about. Um, these are manifestations of the gifts that God uses different personalities in each of us to operate differently. Um, the word gifts of healing also refers to different types of healing. So often we focus on the physical, but this is also about emotional spiritual, and mental healing as well, especially in today's day and age. So healing can be physical, emotional, inner healing, deliverance, uh, mental healing, and also, I said emotional, sorry, emotional healing. In Matthew 10, verse 8, Jesus says, freely you have received, now freely give. And so the gifts of healing and other methods of divine healing are supernatural. And as we have received them, we are encouraged to use them as well and to Give that to those around us. Um, some people have greater success in areas of healing than others. Some people, when they pray for someone who is sick, they see results almost every time. You hear stories of guys who pray for people with hearing issues, and it's healing that happens every time. But they might pray for someone with a headache, and nothing happens. And so some people are just more gifted in different areas, and that's okay. As we work together, God will bring healing to those around us. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 30, it states, Have all got the gift of healing? And the answer is no. So in the sense that not all have the ministry of healing, but can be used to pray for the sick, and they will be healed. And so you might not have the gift of healing where someone gets healed every time, but we are all called to pray for those around us that are sick and need to be healed. And you never know, maybe in that moment, that gift of the Holy Spirit will just rest on you, and you'll see an outworking of what you've been praying for. That'd be pretty amazing. There's no set formula for healing. We see so many different examples of how healing works itself out. We see the spoken word of Jesus say, you are healed. We see Jesus laying on of hands. Um, we see Jesus commanding healing. We even see Jesus spitting in the, mud, in the sand and making mud and putting that on someone's eyes. And so there's no right way for praying for healing. 
But in that moment, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you. Later on in the Apostles, it talks about how people were healed just by the shadow and by handkerchiefs that had been prayed over. And so it's quite exciting. There's different ways that this operates and works itself out. And so how do these gifts work? Well, I think you might know the answer already. These gifts work through the Holy Spirit. They are a manifestation, a revelation of who the Holy Spirit is, revealing the heart of God for those around us. And so this is something that we'll look at a bit more, as I mentioned, over the next two weeks, about who is the Holy Spirit and why do we have him and what does he do? I think it's important for us to remember that these gifts are given to every single person for the benefit of all. And so those who have been born again and have the Holy Spirit, these gifts are available to them. It is not about spiritual maturity, but about being obedient and surrendering to, to the Holy Spirit. We see that where it says, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. The message puts it this way, each person is given something to do to show off who God is. I love that so much. And so it's the Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. They are given to reveal the power and the character and the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27 to 31, it says, Now you are Christ's body, and each one of you is a member of it. And God has placed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helps, gifts of leadership, different types of kinds of tongues. Not all are apostles, are they? Not at all. Not all are prophets, are they? Not all are teachers, are they? Not all perform miracles, do they? Not all have the gifts of healing, do they? Not all speak in tongues, do they? Not all interpret, do they? But you should be eager for the greater gifts. And then he goes and says, and now I'll show you a way that is beyond comparison. And then we go into 1 Corinthians 13 where he talks about love. And so these gifts are fantastic. These gifts are so important. These gifts are the Holy Spirit revealing himself and the power of God to the church. But as we see in Matthew 7, it's like you can have these gifts and you can operate in them. But if there's not love, you're doing it in vain. And so it's so important that these gifts are not for us to hold on to. The message says everyone has received these gifts, but it's everyone else that benefits. And so a gift is not for us to hold on to. It's not to, for me to prophesy over myself or for me to feel good because I've prophesied for someone else, but for them to hear the voice of God, for them to be encouraged, for them to be edified because we are now in the body of Christ. And one of the things I told you two weeks ago is that all three of these portions of Scripture have to do either with unity in the body or about being involved in the body of Christ. And so these gifts are not in isolation. They are together revealing the glory of God to the church and to the world. You see, when we were saved, we weren't just saved from something, but we were also saved into something. We were saved into the body of Christ. In Acts 2, it says, do not neglect the fellowship of the saints. This is so important because when we try and do this in isolation, these gifts are not going to work by ourselves in our bedroom, but they're there to work in community, in fellowship with people around us. See, the life with Christ is not a journey in isolation, but a journey with family of believers. Likewise, our gifts, whether the ministry, motivational, or manifestation gifts, are not for ourselves, but they're for those around us to build, to equip, to encourage, to serve, and to reveal the heart of God to those around us. So we were, when we come into the fellowship of the saints, coming back to that, is 
The fivefold ministry is given so that the church might be equipped for the ministry. If I try to walk out this journey with Christ alone by myself, I'm not going to be fully equipped. Yes, I believe we have the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us, but there is value in the wisdom and the counsel of those who have oversight that can lead us and guide us and teach us so that we don't go down seven different paths of interpretation, but finding out what God is trying to say to us and where he's leading us. (coughs) But then, being in the church, we get to use these gifts to glorify God and to build up the body as well. And in closing, I want to leave you with this, that these gifts are spiritual. They are of the Holy Spirit. They are free. They are grace-given. There is nothing that you can do to earn these gifts. They are opportunities for us to minister, not just in the church, but also in our workplaces, in our families, and in the various places where we go. They are an endowment of God's power, and they are evidence of the Holy Spirit working through us. And so I want to bless you with that this morning, that as we go into this week, that you will ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you work through me this week in any way, shape, or form? I know a few weeks ago I said we were going to send out a spiritual gifts test, and we haven't done that yet because I already just felt we need to first teach on it, and then we'll send it out. So this week, you'll get, if you've got on a WhatsApp group, you'll get a link to the spiritual gifts test. Um, and so do it. Take your time through it. Do it as a family if you can. Um, and then what we will do, so do it as soon as you can. Um, what we will do is we would love to know what your gifts are. And it's just it's fascinating to see how God works in people differently. So we will also send out a poll where you can just say, this is my number one gift. This is my number two gift, whatever. And so it would be great. So with that, it's not just you saying, well, I've got this gift. Now what? To say, hey, you've got this gift. This is where you can serve. This is how we can get involved. If you are strong in prophecy, then how do we get you into that? How do we teach you and equip you and train you in a way that you can use it to edify and build up the church? And so all these various things. And so that's what I'll leave you with this week. Next week, come expectant, come excited. Um, I do know from previous experience that when you start teaching on the Holy Spirit, there is always a practical side to that. And that's quite exciting. If you're scared by the prospect of the Holy Spirit, don't be. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is there to be our guide, our leader, our comforter, our healer, our advocate. And so rest in what he can do and what he will do. So I want to bless you with that. Can I pray for you? Father God, I just want to thank you that we get to look at your word and we get to learn more about these gifts that you have given us. And So Holy Spirit, I pray that as we go into this week, would you rest on each and every single person that's here as we healed and we surrender our lives to you? As we do in Romans 12, it says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. As we do this this week, Holy Spirit, would you bring understanding? Would you bring revelation? Would you bring clarity? And would you stir in our hearts the things that you have called us and gifted us with? We bless you and we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.